News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, as we mentioned there, Director General of RTE, Kevin Backhurst, has revealed his strategic vision for the broadcaster that involves swinging cuts and increased funding. And he joins us now in studio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much for coming in. So RTE will be smaller and dearer. Uh, Explain why it needs to be both. So we need to be smaller because we need to be more efficient in terms of uh, the organisation and taking costs out, being more streamlined. Um, uh, It will be dearer uh, because... A huge amount of this is going to go in directly into content, um, both in the broadcaster, but also uh, in the independent sector. And I think that's one thing people lost sight of a little bit yesterday with the announcements. There's been big focus on job cuts, and, and that's an important part of it. But also part of the strategy is about the renewed investment in the independent sector, huge rise of investment in independent productions and in things like original Irish drama, uh, a big expansion, the number of hours, and in key public service content, such as news and current affairs and Irish language and so on. Okay, so 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 we'll get to that outsourcing and that that investment there in a moment. But let's concentrate on those those job cuts first of all that, that you've mentioned. Four hundred redundancies, but one hundred and fifty of them are, are staff retiring anyway. Is that correct? So two hundred and fifty net. Well, one hundred and fifty people are due to retire. Now we probably will have to we'll, we'll certainly have to replace some of those people who go because they'll be in key jobs that we can't leave vacant. But um, you know that that'll be a start on achieving the four hundred number. Certainly from that one hundred and fifty over a period of a few years. Okay, uh, and drilling down into those figures, uh, the, 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 those four hundred, those four hundred um, redundancies. What's the cost saving there from them? Well, the cost saving over a period of time, and, and, and what I was saying yesterday, and particularly to staff, is that you know those those jobs would go over a period of the strategy over four or five years. So it's not a uh, you know a huge exodus at the beginning of it, but there is a saving of of millions over the years, which accumulates as you let people go. So. And, and as the, that, those savings accumulate, we'll, we will spend that on things like digital projects and also investment in the site. As I said, we're moving back to a smaller part of the site. We need to invest in the okay, digital Okay, so, so millions, is there, we don't have an actual headline figure. Uh, we, well, we, the figures are being looked at by New Era at the moment to make sure that they stack up. But it's, you know, it is over a period of time, it's, uh, it's, it's many millions that are saved by Those that. people who are due to retire, will they be allowed to apply for a redundancy package? Uh, that's not normally the way we operate it. We have to do the details of the voluntary exit scheme. Normally, that, that obviously would, would, would remove yeah. any kind of saving there. Yeah, and it would be a little bit of a waste of money if people are due to go in the next two, couple of years. Sometimes people can take early retirement if they're close to retirement, if that's what they choose, but not, not a voluntary exit scheme. Okay. And, and with regard to people who've already handed in their notice, and I know you're going to have something like 40 redundancies you're looking mm. for almost instantly. Mm. People who are already working notice, are they allowed to apply for redundancy packages? No, not if they've already handed notice. And we don't have the voluntary exit scheme open yet for 2024, the one you allude to. So um, people haven't been able to apply for that yet. Uh, How is RTE going to function with 20% less staff? Well, we need to reshape the organisation and that's a critical part of the strategy, which is we do need to be simpler and smaller. Um, We have made a commitment to invest outside Dublin, particularly in Cork to start with. uh, And that's a, a really important part of the project to to be producing more content outside Dublin and around the island. Um, but, uh, you know, as we said here, as we um, save money, we, got, we are going to invest in, um, you know, new programming, new content produced by Ireland's very vibrant creative sector. And we already produce a lot with them in terms of drama and factual and so on. And I think there's a huge opportunity here for to create jobs in the creative sector. Because the fear, obviously, among RTE staff is that they're going to be expected to do more with less, that they're going to have to work harder. Yeah, I think that's been the mistake in the past, actually. When, when we've had voluntary schemes, the organisation has tried to carry on doing exactly what we were doing all the time, the same amount of programming, the same amount of services. And 
um, this has got to be different. As I say, we're going to be producing more externally and okay. also we are going to we are going to cut services. So well. you are so 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 that 20% you're going to cut some services. So do you expect to get uh, some of the people in the services you cut your cutting or you pulse your cutting 2xm and and things like that. Do you expect to get some of the redundancies from those services that you're cutting? That's not my expectation at the moment. I mean we'll those those services probably will be cut sooner than the strategy is implemented. We'll we'll move ahead and do that. Um the idea is we put some of that resource into things like podcasts where we don't have enough resource at the moment. We've got only a small number of people on the services we're cutting, but we have a lot of talent there. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that we find, I've already been speaking to Dan Healy, uh, who's head of 2FM, about, you know, the talented people we have and what other roles we'd be looking for for, for them. So j- just with regard to people in, in services that, you, that you're cutting, they're not going to be, obviously we have no compulsory redundancies mm. currently on the table. Um, they're going to be offered other jobs, they're going to be redeployed even if they're, cameramen or what have you and there's no use for them what, what, what's, what's going to happen to well, these people well no we have to find meaningful roles for them it's not being redeployed um, if there's no role for them but you know we need to find roles we're, I was talking to the staff yesterday and said clearly we'll offer opportunities either for retraining or relocation um, you know we need we've got some brilliant people at RT and I want to make sure that we make it a great place to work for them and offer them opportunities to move around more easily <sighs> This moving into the independent sector, the independent commercial sector, isn't that sort of an admission that that's because RGE can do things more cheaply and more efficiently outside the organisation? No, and that's actually not always true, fully enough. Um, Sometimes because we have the infrastructure and we have the people already on the payroll, sometimes it's more expensive to make stuff in the independent sector. It's not always a cost saving. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But the thing we achieve by working with the independent sector is there are some brilliant creative people outside RTE and my view is RT should be the home of brilliant Irish content, whether it's created internally or externally by our independent partners. If you don't get these 400 redundancies these or, or, or retirees, if, if, if it doesn't materialise, will compulsory redundancies have to be looked at? There are three previous mm. resort, re, reports rather to, to this vision that, that you have launched have said compulsory redundancies are, are necessary. Yeah, no, I'm not prepared to go down that road. I don't think it's something we should be doing as an organisation. I don't think it would be necessary. Uh, and I've made that commitment to staff. And uh, and I've also heard the Taoiseach and the Minister say that they've got zero appetite for RT to look at compulsory redundancies. So I've no intention of doing that. Okay. If we don't achieve the 400, um, you know, and I'm confident we will over time, we've got a long time to do it. If we don't achieve it, we'll have to look for some savings elsewhere. But I'm confident we'll achieve that. Your budget is just over 300 million, though, but 190 of that is staff costs. Without redundancies, there's no way you're going to get the cuts or you would have to have people sitting there doing nothing and, and no content being produced. I mean, how do you square that, that, that sort of accounting circle mm. without redundancies? I mean, you, you need them and you need them in, in big numbers, one in five. It, it's huge. We, we, do need, we do need them. It's a really important part of the, of the plan. Um, look, our experience is the last voluntary exit scheme we had... Um, we had 200 applications. We were only able to let 30 people go. So we know there's an appetite from some people to, to go. We don't want to, you know, um, this is, but this has got to be done in, in, in tandem with all the other changes to the organisation. We want to reshape the organisation and deliver the other parts of the strategy that, that are really important. That's really interesting what you said. Why, why were 170 people turned down for redundancy? Because we didn't have the money to pay for the other 170 to go at that stage. OK, so, so redundancies don't always result in cost savings then? They do result in long-term cost savings, yeah, but you have to handle it properly and you have to not backfill people when they go. There's no good letting people go and then backfilling them three or six months later. And I think that has happened on occasion. That can't be allowed to happen. And one thing I said yesterday is there needs to be 
and I said this again at our staff meeting, but um, there needs to be transparency for staff and also for uh, audiences and for government about how we handle this exit programme um, to demonstrate that we are smaller and more efficient and the type of people we have let go. Okay. Um, Montrose being sold, the campus being sold, that's off the table now because we're hearing it's only going to raise 100 million euros. I had a quick look at other sites that were for sale in Dublin 4. Based on the size of Montrose, that Mm. that gives us around 4 million an acre is is what you're talking about there. I saw nothing for that price. Mm. There there was stuff maybe for 7 or 8 million an acre. There was stuff for Mm. 15, 16 million an Mm. acre. Even if you average all of that, Mm. or or the campus would be worth something three times the magnitude of 100 million euros. Yeah, look, I wanted to look at all options. We had the site valued by Savills, who, um, you know, did the valuation for us on the last piece of land we sold. And their valuation... That was nine nine acres for 107 million. Yeah, yeah. And they came back and said, uh, I'm afraid it's significantly less than you might imagine. It's 100 million. Now, part of the reason is we have four or five listed buildings on there, which severely impact on the value of the land. We also have the the mast on there, as people know. So it's not an attractive piece of land for developers. And I have spoken to one or two other It is developers. a 23.5 million mm. acre site. It's, mm-hmm. it's massive, even mm. even though I know there's a couple of, of, of period buildings and I, I think, oddly, mm. Radio Centre, which is questionable, is also listed. It's still a very large site in an incredibly desirable part of Dublin. Yeah, but first of all, if you look at the general um, value of, of office properties and um, and that kind of land around Dublin, there has, the Savills told me this and others have said it, there's been a fall since we sold the last okay. piece of land. But the listed buildings that have a, have a huge impact because they are dotted around and it's not just a question of you not being able to do anything with them, but you are restricted about what you can do in the vicinity of those listed buildings as well. So it really does impact on the value of the okay. land. And it's not what it's I necessarily want to I had a look at, mm. at Savills' own mm. website and mm. they were saying that they were selling commercial mm. property for between 50 and 70 million mm. euros per acre in Dublin City last year. Mm. It's well, just, look, just quite, I can only, I can only a, point to the valuation it, they wrote to me. Mm. Um, one of the, I suppose, the big headline grabbers from yesterday is, is that nobody is going to earn more than yourself, Kevin. Um, how do you think the presenters are going to feel about that? What if they say when their contract comes up for, for a negotiation, um, we'll walk? Look, we've had that before. Um, I think high salaries we pay presenters out of public money has been quite corrosive for RTE over the years. And RTE, to be fair, has has reduced them over a period of years. But it remains, a, um, I think, a corrosive issue for the organisation. And uh, I think we finally have to deal with it. And we don't have that many, frankly, who earn more than... It's not about my salary, it's about the Director General's salary, but we don't have that many who earn more than the Director General. And, you know, I, I don't like putting them in the spotlight, but I think they know the reality of where we are. And you can't be asking for proper public funding at the same time not being shown to manage your costs. SIP2 have said that they're going to, to fight any cuts as they see them. And obviously they're a very powerful union. Mm. Is Noel Kelly actually right that, that presenters are the ones who are going to get cut now because they don't have a union and, and unionised people are treated differently? No, not at all. Um, we value our presenters hugely and we've got some really you know first class um presents on air and that's how we want to keep it and that's what the audience expects um, but I just don't think we need to be paying what we've been paying in the past to to bring through that talent and have those talent, talented presenters on air but I'm realistic enough we're competing we're competing with News Talk and others and uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, two, some, sometimes two, people go. But two other quick, quick questions mm. for you. For example, somebody like uh, Claire Byrne, she earns 280,000 per year. Somebody like Joe Duffy earns 350,000 mm. per year. But Joe Duffy does television and he does does radio. Mm. I, I, if you 
if he earns 250 for his radio show, for example, and then adds on a bit of television mm. work afterwards, does that mean he'll earn more than the Director General? Well, he might as an individual, not from RTE is the answer. So, um, you know, we have presenters who are paid by RTE and then they may do extra work through independence and then they get paid by the independent for that work. And, you know, that we've got to be flexible about that. If they... if if we commission a piece from the independent which uses an RTE person, they would expect to get paid by the independent for that piece of work. Okay. And very last question, sometime over the next seven years of your tenure, it may come to pass through inflation or other issues that uh, a presenter may end up being paid more than 250000 It may be a commercial reality that you want mm. that to happen. Does that mean you get, now get a pay rise as well, if you're, if you're the benchmark? I'm not looking for a pay rise. Should it happen? Oh, look, I'm not looking for a pay rise. We actually, one thing I did say is we would benchmark my pay and all the pay of the leadership team against comparable jobs in semi-states and in industry. And I said that in one of the committees and we'll do that to make sure that we are fairly paid. But this, the idea is not that I get a pay increase. That's not what I'm asking for. Director General of Worshi, Kevin Backers, thank you very much for speaking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.